Welcome to another episode of the GT Reboot. Uh, my name is Joe DeClara, former news editor of Gaming Trend, and I want to make that announcement because today we have someone special on, but I, before that, have uh, our editor abroad, one Mike Pierce. As always, Mike, how are you? I'm good, Joe. How, how are you, sir? I'm doing very swell. It's a wonderful uh, Monday afternoon, uh, Sunday afternoon for me. Uh, I was we haven't say, quite I gotten mean, to pass. Jesus, I know yeah. like, that the time change is different, but we God haven't damn, quite. Did I go that far? Yeah, in the no, we haven't gotten quite to the point where the international dateline is like uh, dividing us, but you know, we'll, we'll get there. We got to keep pushing you further east and further we'll, east yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm much further east i'm gonna go to new zealand later this year so then there you, you can go call me that'll be it so i'll give you a call then and but until then we have you on of course and we also have our new newly appointed lead editor of gaming trend and that is amy k Purcell. Okay, welcome back to the show and congratulations Hi, thanks for having me thank you so much it's good to have you on again uh so do us a quick favor and our uh, listeners a quick favor uh tell us uh a little about about your quick background how you got to gaming trend you've been here for a while now but if um, you want give us a quick little rundown of uh your your rise to uh lead editorship fame and power yes uh, so yeah, I've been with the blog for a little over a year. Um, I have done writing previously. Uh, my day job is I work for DeviantArt. So uh, I've covered a whole lot of conventions and done articles and things for them um, with our depth radius, which is defunct. But hopefully, maybe you'll see something cool and new in the near future. Okay. Um, yep. So I came to Gaming Trend just trying to get in the habit of writing more, um, having a platform to write more. Um, Wanting more feedback because my friends all went, yeah, that looks good. Yeah. You eventually uh, <laughs> got to get a little more yeah, in-depth yeah. knowledge in that. Yeah. You know, my parents are like, oh, you wrote something and I understood it. You're so impressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, you know, just wanted a way to get feedback, a way to, uh, I wanted to be able to write in a situation where no, uh, a, a no fail wasn't was an option. Uh, I needed to be able to write a lot and mess up and have time to fix it and fail a deadline and learn what I did wrong. And uh, fortunately, I haven't messed up quite that much as I expected. Um, And you've uh, you've done a fine job so far, as far as far as I can tell. (laughs) It's been fun. It's been exciting. Um, So yeah, I'm just, uh, I, I really fell in love with with everyone I work, I write with, uh, Ron is awesome and um, got a lot of experience and kind of realized that Gaming Trend doesn't hasn't traditionally covered a whole lot of conventions. Uh, and I have a lot of convention experience and I really love doing conventions and seeing what's out there and what's new and what's experimental and uh, meeting with other people who are just there for the love of whatever the convention is, be it video games, be it anime. Uh, I, my interest really is popular culture and, and internet culture. And so seeing that crossover into the real world is always a treat for me. So I started covering a whole lot of conventions and apparently that excited a lot of people. And, uh, apparently I'm not overly negative. Um, <laughs> and I like to give feedback and help people cause people have helped me. 
And uh, I was actually told closer to E3 that this was probably going to happen, and it was just recently announced. So it's uh, exciting, and I'm very flattered. It's very exciting, and it's uh, exciting to see uh, you be a part of an exciting thing for gaming trend, reaching out more, like you said, getting to conventions. And you've been to quite a few uh, since, uh, not just since the last time we spoke, but for the, uh, recently. So we'll get to some of those later. Uh, and uh, hopefully you can tell us more about some of the lesser-covered conventions, and as well as some of the popular ones. Uh, so that'll be cool. But uh, until then, we're going to get into the news now, uh, if that's all right. So we're going to do jump right into our favorite 2017 uh, saga, that is the <laughs> Mass Effect Andromeda fallout and debacle. And... Uh, Recently, we've finally seen, I think, the last nail in the coffin for the Mass Effect Andromeda series, uh, and at least even any uh, further Mass Effect Andromeda content. And uh, it is that Bioware officially made a statement revealing that there will no longer be any more updates, DLC, or any other content planned for Mass Effect Andromeda. A predictable uh, statement to be made, but it is now official. Uh, the statement read, quote, our last update, 1.10, was the final update for Mass Effect Andromeda. There are no planned future patches for single-player or in-game story content. Uh, however, they are going to be adding more multiplayer content, as uh, Bioware Montreal has been steadily working as a support studio for that content. Mike, you and I have been covering this extensively. Uh, I'm sure I can guess at what your feelings are about this. But uh, what what say you on the last yeah, nail I mean, in the coffin? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I really have any more feelings on it at this point. Like the the writing has been on the wall for a while. This, I think, like you said, I think everybody kind of saw this coming. Um, so, but that doesn't mean that it's not. It's kind of weird. It's like even though everybody saw it coming, it doesn't mean it's uh, not kind of sad. I guess so. Maybe I lied. Maybe I do actually have kind of some feelings about sure. it. Um, <laughs> Not because I was super sold on Mass Effect on Andromeda, but just for what it means for the You the, weren't the even sold series. on it. You haven't played the game, from what I remember. No, well, <laughs> and, and it's funny you should bring that up, because I was going to add, now I'm definitely not going to. Yeah. Because, I mean, if there's all of these cliffhangers that people have talked about uh, that are completely unsolved now, now Bioware has effectively said we are not going to solve them unless, and they have said this uh Unless you read the novels or comics, and I and I don't read the novels or comics, so if it's not in the game, then I'm not going to bother getting invested in the game. Mm, so sure. I have even less to purchase, even less reason to purchase it now than I did before. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. It, it's the whole thing sucks, as we've talked about it before. Is I don't feel like it's the dev's fault. I just think it was, uh, it was mismanagement and poor support for the devs. I'm sure the devs wanted to produce a good product. I just don't think they were given the tools to succeed. And here we are. And now sure, it's yeah. canceled indefinitely, I guess, is a a good term to use because we it may come back. And I know I've already seen some of the Bioware devs express hope and desire for it to come back in the future on Twitter. Mm. But whether it will or not and how long that takes, nobody has any idea. So for now, it's effectively dead indefinitely. 
Sure. Yeah, that, it's talking about mismanagement and uh, feeling uh, some ep- sympathy for the devs you're referring to, I assume, the uh, Kotaku uh, expose, as it were, or just the Kotaku story uh, coming from a bunch of anonymous uh, Bioware devs and folks working close to Andromeda talking about how management and leadership and uh, all sorts of, uh, you know, higher up roles were changing around and uh, a lot of different ideas were being thrown around that weren't working and just in general like you said it was a mismanaged uh unmitigated disaster almost uh at, and for mass effect andromeda until the very end uh so i if that's a true story and it certainly rings sounds pretty true to me then yeah i i feel the same sympathy for the devs i've expressed sympathies that i feel for fans of the game uh i've we've spoken to a couple of people who feel like uh there were some redeeming qualities of the game especially it's like story and it's lore and that's the kind of thing that's gonna uh end up getting unresolved unless of course you read the comics or whatever so it's all sad uh i'm i feel sad enough though for mass effect fans in general because now this like last time we'll talk about this hopefully but like this looks like mass effect's gonna go away for a long time uh sometimes that's good for a game but it's rough when it goes out like this so that's kind of sad to see Um, and a lot of fans have really connected with the stories and these characters and kind of built a lot of themselves like come to understand themselves around these games so it's really sad to leave people hurting that way sure yeah there's also been a lot of talk and i i don't know a lot about this because i didn't play the game uh but there was a uh a lot of people felt emotionally connected to this game specifically because uh, a lot of people uh, were feeling represented for the first time. This was I th- this first Mass Effect game to have gay relationships and homosexual uh, relationships that weren't uh, bisexual, right? That they felt like they were truly represented in these games. Uh, these are feelings I've heard from a couple people that have written about it, and that is something I haven't seen in a lot of AAA games. Uh, so it's sad to see something like that. Uh, go down this road of like especially just like the actual backlash that came from the fans of the series uh mm-hmm. a lot of people feeling very strongly about the game and in a positive way and way more people feeling negatively so all in all sad to see it go but uh i can't say though that i'll be too sad to see this story go because we have covered the living crap out of this game and it's fallout so uh, yeah, I'll definitely agree with you on that one. I'm a little tired of the news surrounding yeah. this game. So I think, time, yeah, I think <laughs> Mike with yeah, away. Mike with your permission, I think we're gonna bury this game from here on out on the GT reboot. Until, Let's do it. You yeah. have you have my permission. It's buried. All it's right. done until right. until the next Mass Effect is announced. In however many years that is, it's buried. Right there, you go. Mass Effect R.I.P. Till next time. Moving on <laughs> to the next story. <laughs> Sony has, in the past, shown that they are not willing to budge when it comes to uh, cross-platform play of third-party games. That is, connecting PS4 players on third-party games that are also being played on Xbox or PC or Nintendo consoles. And uh, we've seen that seen that before with Rocket League. We've seen that with Minecraft, a very popular story that went out uh, earlier this year. And now we're seeing it with Ark Survival. 
uh, Ark Survival Evolved specifically for PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, so some uh, features or uh, technical things were being discussed uh, via Twitter about Ark Survival Evolved on Xbox One X. Uh, I forget the uh, logistics of the conversation, but uh, eventually uh, people were asking uh, the developer behind uh, Ark Survival, uh, Ark's Jeremy Stieglitz, I think is how you say his name. Uh, he said that when people were asking about cross-platform compatibility, uh, he said, quote, we have it working internally, but Sony currently Sony won't allow it, frowny face, uh, and did not elaborate further on that. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about cross-platform play and Sony's unwillingness to budge in this uh, progression, as it were? Can I, can I first just say it's awesome that in this day and age when we're reading quotes, we have to actually explain emojis. Like, you finish a sentence <laughs> we have to and read top it off with frowny, frowny face. face. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that shit. I feel like there should um, be a, a like in a style guide an actual specific vernacular for how to read aloud a frowny face. Like, at some point, yeah, it's probably like frown em- some like people would say AP frown emoji, guide. others would say frowny face, others would it's say gonna, sad face. I'm telling you, it's going to appear in like the AP style guide one of these days or sure. something. Sure. Give it time, it's not going to take too long. It might uh, yeah, be in the Wired sty- uh, style guide. I haven't read that one. But anyway. <laughs> when, by the way, when did we go from emoticons to emojis? That transition happened. Oh, God. Yeah. Totally that's, more like a, that's more like a Roomba-ism. You know, like how Roombas, like, they're they're not all called Roombas. Like, iRobot I has, like, a Roomba thing, but the Roomba is a specific uh, mm-hmm. com- company. It's like that kind of thing, I think. I think emoji yeah. was a specific app, but now we call them all emojis. I am from Texas. If you order a Coke, you'd better ask me what kind of Coke I want. Yeah, what kind I of see, Coke? Now, oh, I've, I've heard that one before, but I heard that that was exclusive to uh, Georgia because that's nope. where Coke is from, is from Atlanta. Nope, it was in Texas, too. You order a Coke, and they ask what kind, and you say Dr. Pepper. What? It's so fucking weird. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a thing in the South, man. A Coke is like a, is a blanket term for soda or pop, whatever well, it's like beer. you're going there was, term for beer it. Beer was a brand that's now out of business, but there was beer beer. That's that's just like yeah, I do a severe that. confusion. That sounds crazy. Can't believe that. Yeah, the South is a weird place. Dude. Don't go. <laughs> Don't go. I've spent enough time no, there. No, no. Hey, I, Austin's I, really cool. I, uh, okay, I hear great yeah, things about a Austin. Shining, there's a shining beacon of light in the South named Austin. But uh, <laughs> anyway, what, so what, what the hell were we talking about? We were talking about, about Ark Survival. Thing? Yeah, okay. So Ark Survival, Sony's unwillingness right, to budge right. on it. cross-platform pl- play. Yeah. Excuse me. I, I, th- I think Sony is just, they're just being obstinate at the moment without any real reason for doing it other than just being obstinate and stubborn because I don't think... I mean, I'm not a high-level business person, but I don't see that they really get a whole lot of benefit by not allowing this. Um, so I just think maybe they haven't talked about it internally or or they're going to try to release something competing or I, I don't know. they or, or they're just being stubborn just sure. because just like really there's no reason not to do this shit. This is clearly where the industry is going at some point. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. There, it. I think I think you will see it happen as enough games start to make this an available feature and as enough people start expecting it as an and as enough people start playing cross platform because at a certain point Sony can no longer just throw their hands up in the air and say, No, 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 we're not and not give a reason. Like there comes a point when they will be forced to 
Oh, I don't um, think that's true. Like, if you know video game, uh, not PR as in PR companies, but actual, like, you know, representatives of the actual company themselves, like, uh, d- discussing these matters to the public, it's, they come up with horrible, horrible reasons for all these things, and they never come forward with the truth, or not never, but very rarely do. Uh, especially, obviously, the bigger the company. Uh, like, well, I mean, this, this is one of the prime examples, Minecraft. I forget who said it, but the gist of it was, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, a large paraphrase, but basically there is, uh, one of Sony's representatives said, well, listen, we like to make sure, uh, that we can manage, um, the protection of like, uh, you know, kids being, uh, well, excuse me, uh, make sure that the content is appropriate for all, uh, ages, age groups. And, uh, we want to be able to manage that. Like with something like Minecraft, kids are playing this. So we want to make sure that, uh, no one's being, uh, irresponsible with like what type of age groups are playing on cross platform games, which is re- totally bogus because Nintendo is one of the most, uh, guarded as far as uh, appropriate gameplay and things like that and the most family friendly friendly platforms of all time and uh they were up to have minecraft cross-platform and they do have it cross-platform on the switch so uh that was one of the arguments that they made and it was just totally bogus so i don't know if you're gonna see a change and i'll see why I, they would make a change i think you will eventually just um if they if if it comes this this is how i picture it going if if they internally do some sort of a review or something and obviously we won't ever hear about this but if they for some reason figure out that they're missing out on a certain amount of profit or a certain amount of recurring players or whatever they'll totally do it they'll they'll absolutely do it i would think i think it's all about the numbers at at that high level and if they find it to be an advantageous thing to do they'll do it and that's why i was saying if enough people start doing it and if there becomes a high enough demand at some point, uh, they will more than likely do it. And there, there is a quote here too from, uh, there was a guy at Eurogamer that interviewed, um, the Sony, you know, the PlayStation global marketing boss guy by the name of Jim Ryan. And he interviewed him. This was actually kind of recent. It was at E3 this year. Yes. Right. Um, and he asked him about the whole not playing cross plas- not playing cross platform stuff. Right. And, this uh, was the quote I was referring to, the Jim Ryan. Yeah. Quote. Yep. He yep. said, It's certainly not a profound philosophical stance we have against this. We've done it in the past. We're always open to conversations with any developer or publisher who wants to talk about it, which is total PR speak for I'm not gonna give you a reason or a yes or a no <laughs> no matter what. But uh they haven't completely shut it down either. So I don't know. They I made think an entire ha- South Park episode about we all have to agree if it's PlayStation 4 or Xbox, we can all play Call of Duty together. Right. <laughs> that's, <laughs> started and, a war. Right. Started a literal war, guys. Come on, Sony. Yep. And that's I think it'll of, happen eventually. I really well, that well, yeah. Uh, Kate kind of hit the hail on nail on the head. Excuse me. It was uh, that that actual joke is actually exactly what's keeping Sony. I think from uh playing ball here is that they are in a position of power and they have no reason to and moreover if they uh say yes they it doesn't benefit them at all but it benefits their competitors by opening up their uh platform because if they open up their platform then xbox can say listen your friends are on playstation 4 it's fine you can buy destiny on our platform and you can still play with them and or Rocket League or Ark Survival, which is very popular, or what have you. 
they can open up the floodgates and then Xbox is a perfectly viable platform for everyone. Because one of the main things that I hear about people choosing between Xbox or PlayStation generally is where their friends are, right? That's one of the main selling points yeah, yeah. for any console. Like, Mike, if your friends are all on Xbox, chances are you're going to get an Xbox One X. And my friends are on PS4, so when it came time for me to jump onto this generation, they were all there, so I got a PS4. And that is exactly what PlayStation has going for them. And open platforms is what Xbox would have going for them. So I think that's and probably what they're going for. We are seeing a shift in things. Because do you guys remember, like, the, the I heard literal gasps when it was announced that Final Fantasy XV was going to be on something other than PlayStation. Mm. Like, Yeah, it, there's, like, a, a certain... Well, like, you're talking about, like, certain games being uh, identified as a certain platform... Right. Like, sure. That's true. I think, though, I mean, like, like, I still have trouble comprehending that Final Fantasy games could be on an Xbox. Like, to me, it doesn't even occur to me that that could happen. Sure. Yeah. But the software companies are starting to figure out that being exclusive doesn't help them anymore. Oh, yeah. They've, they've probably figured it out a long time ago. I mean, we've seen plenty of games that definitely have suffered from being exclusive mm -hmm. or even worse, like, uh, temporary exclusive timed exclusive like yeah. uh from what i've heard uh crystal dynamics suffered when it came to uh rise of the tomb raider uh that game suffered in sales and did not do very well uh what was it that was a 2015 game maybe and it came out similar time to like fallout and it got crushed because it was one competing next to a very popular game a fallout sequel and two it was a timed xbox exclusive and like you said, Rise of the Tomb Raider is something I specifically identify with PlayStation. So I bet a lot of people were like, what, it's not on PlayStation? I don't understand. And that seems like a, uh, you know, an immaterial uh, right. factor. But it is a small thing that the your normal everyday video game consumer gets confused by and, and it assumes that like it's going to be a PlayStation game. So there's something there. I think, though, the main and issue here is PlayStation just doesn't want to play ball because they have no reason to. There's no benefit. Right. And it'll only and it's, benefit it's their gonna, competitors. It's going to take a shift in that, like, because what's going to happen is, like, with Minecraft, if you can play with Switch and with anyone on PC, with anyone on Xbox, you can't play with the people on PlayStation. So they're going to have to see those sales significantly drop because mm. people aren't buying the, the PlayStation version because they can't play with their friends. Mm, that's right and that change happened that's that's what i mean is that it's all going to come down to the numbers right it's all i mean in the end that's where a lot of this shit goes for any big business is you crunch the numbers and if it's if it's no longer advantageous to hold their obstinate position then they'll stop and oh sure i think i, I think amy's right whatever shift in the market causes it whether it's like she said you know declining sales or whether they see like a massive uptick in sales in their competitors because they do have cross-form cross-platform play then they'll go oh, well fuck we want a piece of the pie too so you know i mean that's what it well, that's what it's going to take is a big yeah. shift but i do i do think that it is in the cards it's just i don't know when and it's all going to depend on on consumers basically well, well you sold me on it because like i i hadn't considered a very uh monster of a factor and that's the nintendo switch now if Nintendo <laughs> and Xbox are getting in bed with each other. And this is not like a sale on the Switch, although everyone should get a Switch. It's a great console. Absolutely uh, if not. you, if you, now you have Nintendo and Microsoft getting in bed together and they can, uh, say poo poo to 
PlayStation. <laughs> that an interesting time changes, in bed, man. That's I know. all right. All right. They they can now <laughs> PlayStation. To be able to use my 3DS, I had to, pr- correctly, I had to lie and say I had a child who was at least 13. That's how upset Nintendo is about poo-poos in bed. Ah, okay. <laughs> I, I definitely going, Amy. It makes Joe very uncomfortable when I feel getting sexual on this show. No, it's the puns that upset me more than any sexual <laughs> joke ever. I, they, are, they frustrate me. No, I agree. Sexual puns. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't actually. Well, that's called double entendre, and that's uh, that's always good. Anyway, I, uh, I I hadn't considered the switch factor, so that's interesting. And uh, if that's what pushes PlayStation, the better. That's great because one thing I've hated is having Destiny and not being able to play with Xbox friends and PlayStation friends. Like I, I, right. oh, I was on PlayStation. I had a bunch of friends on Xbox and I was just not going to play on both Xbox and PlayStation. Although some people are crazy enough to do it. Uh, and now, you know, it, yeah, that's definitely something I'd be willing to look for to have Sony look into. That'd be nice. Absolutely. Get on the do ball. It, Sony. Yeah, do it. All right, let's uh, move on to uh, some cold news. Uh, this is something I uh, requested that we uh, discuss, whether at length or not is uh, up to you guys, obviously, but we did not cover this story when it came out, and that was that Middle-Earth Shadow of War will uh, have microtransactions, and specifically that it will tie into its nemesis system, and it will, in a way, uh, in short terms, will be systematically... Uh, adding to your arsenal and to your uh, resources and effectively will boost your playability and your progression in the game. Uh, Let's see if I have some of the specifics. Uh, There were things called war chests, which would have new orc followers, which is building your uh, orc army that you're building in this game. This is a new uh, reverse side of the Nemesis system from the first game. You're building your own orc army. We've covered it extensively at Gaming Trend. You should check out all our content on it. And uh, other chests, uh, let's see, there were war chests, and then there were other chests. I forgot what they're called, but then there's other chests that have uh, weapons and uh, experience boosters and all sorts of stuff that help you cut through some of the grind in this game. Uh, so that is a troubling concept. Uh, microtransactions obviously are always a, um, are always a polarizing, uh, topic on the internet. Although a lot of people have, uh, accepted the model of providing cosmetic items and non-functional items to multiplayer games normally. Uh, things that don't affect the gameplay necessarily, but enhance your experience by giving you cool stuff to put on your character. Uh, people are okay with that generally. Overwatch is loaded with that stuff. And then people, but people are not necessarily okay with, uh, quote unquote, pay to win, uh, systems. So this is looking more like that. It's a single player game as well. So it got me thinking about this topic. It's something we've lo- seen before and we've all concerned ourselves about before. I'm curious what you guys think of, uh, sh- the well, Warner Brothers' new system that they're implementing here for Shadow of War. Well, I definitely, I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I have nothing to substantiate this, but this feels to me like a publisher decision, not a developer decision. True, right, I right. I should say. Do, yeah. I do not believe for a second that Monolith 
had a meeting and they were like, oh yeah, yeah, we should totally put in microtransactions so that people can effectively buy their way through this awesome campaign and completely ruin this incredible system that we put together that our game is really famous for. Uh, I do. I, I just won't believe until someone actually shows me in writing that Monolith actually did that themselves. So I'm just okay. going to go ahead. And that blame is speculative. WB yeah, but that's that. fine. Yeah. Um, but uh, I and I guess the good, like the the optimistic way to look at this is that it is single player, so it's not a pay to win multiplayer game, and th- those are the most annoying ones. Like when you. You know, you don't want to spend extra money on a game, but you end up fighting a whole bunch of people who do spend extra money on a game and they just kick the shit out of you because they have better gear or better cards or weapons or, you know, whatever it is. Sure. Um, so I guess that's the optimistic takeaway here is that, you know, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. But it does set uh, kind of a, a, a dangerous precedent um, for the future. You know, and uh, what like what is going to happen to single player experiences? Are they always going to be like this? And at least for this one, they say I'm reading it actually on the um, the game's website at the moment. They say that none of the content in the game is gated behind the paid currency, which is right. Gold. So there's, te- there's all of currencies. the content is accessible in the game, and it's all stuff you would eventually get uh, through looting stuff or through playing the game in some capacity. Yeah. Right, and I think that's another good thing to take away too is that they haven't they haven't gated anyone from getting this stuff. Um, but another, and I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but f- so For Honor is now notorious for microtransactions. Um, and have you guys heard about this 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 whole cosmetic and weapon upgrade thing? So okay. some guy on Reddit, and I'm not kidding about this. It's uh, you can go look it up. He actually crunched the numbers. Uh, to basically unlock all of the content in For Honor, so that's including characters and weapons and skins and all these other things. He estimated that if you played one to two hours a day, it would take you over two years of constant one to two hour play every day, nonstop, to unlock all of the content in the game. And it well, this, is, this is Shadow of War we're talking about? No, 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 no. This is For Honor. For Honor. Okay, understood. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember this story. Okay, yeah. And I I think he estimated it would be, if you wanted to purchase it, it would cost in total $752 to purchase all of it, I think he calculated, something like that. Right. And now I understand that's a multiplayer game. This is a single-player game, so it's kind of apples to oranges. But not necessarily. Um, I mean, like, here's the question. Obviously, it's like, oh, you don't necessarily... The... the, uh, the caveats that they're giving you, well, not the caveats, but the uh, explanations they're giving you are, it's all content that's accessible in the game. It's all optional. You never have to spend money in this game. But at one right. point, do yeah, we yeah. see this game? This game has not come out yet. I haven't seen much of it besides uh, preview uh, you know, footage. Uh, I hadn't actually played the game. A couple of our editors have played the game. I don't know if either of you have. But I mean, no. so I've seen only the preview stuff, but... Uh, the game looks great, by the way. But I uh, so this remains to be seen. But it's totally plausible that a game could come out and is designed to be this single-player game with like an open world and a lot of side quests and a lot of grinding, and it is artificially uh, layered and uh, puffed up to be more grindy, if you will, so that uh, you feel more inclined to spend money to save yourself time. So, at what point are they in? Uh, intentionally wasting your time 
to in order to uh, incentivize you to actually spend more I'm money. I'm just going to jump in here and say, <laughs> JRPGer, grinding is gaming for me. And this is nothing that hasn't been going on since the days of the Game Boy when you'd buy an action replay. And if it's a single player and you want to waste your, you want to spend money to not have to deal with certain things, why does it bother me? Well, here's the thing. I've heard this argument a couple of times, and that is that that sentiment is fine if the games are like the design of the games don't favor a far more grindy. Like, let's take the For Honor example. What if we told you, what if we found out later that in order to get through this game or some game in the future, naturally without spending money, you would have to spend two years playing every day for two hours in order to get through it. You know, at what point does it then become uh, dishonest design? Go spend two years playing old school JRPGs and let them puff it up as much as they want I've been playing that because well, well, one play, day, yeah, but right? you haven't been playing like one game for two hours every day, you know, like that would be outrageous. I, like I would I, only play a JRPG for two hours one day. That's not how you play JRPG. Like, right, but, just, but what if like that's what it required? You know, what if a game all of a sudden required like that much of a time investment unless you spent money, right? This is not necessarily what Shadow of War is doing, but it is right, totally plausible that a game could do I'm this. All I'm saying is that I grew up on games where that kind of grinding was required and there was no mechanic to jump through it. You just sure. did it. True. I, I so do if think... If video I, games are going back to an old school way of grinding... With the idea of, okay, this is what it used, you know, this is, people will do this. There are uh. people who enjoy grinding. I love grinding. Look, I, I it's ridiculous. I love grinding. I've uh, went, I uh, once had an interesting conversation about, like, grinding and, like, the semantics of grinding uh, with a friend. Like, it, I once said, and this is just a theory that, like, isn't really pl- uh, provable, but often people will use uh, grinding as... Uh, demeaning uh terminology like it's something that's uh displeasurable uh and it's moreover like if it's a fun grind then it's a great gameplay loop but if it's a bad grind it's a grind right right? if it's something that you're doing that's repetitive but is based on progression and it's enjoyable it's a great gameplay loop if it's not enjoyable it's a grind and that is the question like how much like some people may love that grinding but look like this is a totally new this is a new game this could be a totally different type of grinding what if you're just doing the same like asinine uh tedious chore over and ever over this random fetch quest like what if like it's designed so that no one would like it you know, like the the JRPGs, they were designed to be longer and extensive and grind, uh, ne- necessitate grinding because you wanted to get more bang out of your buck, right? Some platformers were harder because people wanted you to play the game for a long time. They were very short games, but they were so hard that they would take you months to beat. And then the JRPGs were difficult, uh, but they were also very grindy. So then you would the same thing you're playing this game for a long time but they are very long so those were still meant to be fun i feel like there's a possibility where we could start seeing single player games where the fun is just stripped from it in order to incentivize purchasing the game i'm not well, saying shadow of war is this game i don't know but i just get concerned when i see this right i mean we're all we're all talking about a hypothetical here because right. yep. we don't know how the system is going to be set up in in shadow of is it shadow of war or shadow of mortar I shadow of war and it's a terrible shadow name it's such okay. a bad name um, why but uh so where i was going with this originally is that at what point 
does this level of sort of content gating, whether it's grinding or whether it's uh, monetary, when does it sort of become unacceptable, right? Because mm. like if if on For Honor, for example, I know, again, it's kind of apples to oranges in a way because multiplayer versus single player, but $750 roughly of content that ships with the game but isn't accessible unless you spend an absolutely absurd amount of time playing it. Mm. And that's after you've already bought what you thought was the whole game. Right. So yeah. essentially the whole value of for honor, supposing this guy did calculate it right. The whole value of for honor is roughly $800, but you only have access to 60 of that. And you have to spend a, a, just a completely mind numbing life breaking amount of time playing it to achieve to, to unlock the rest of this stuff and i'm not saying that's what shadow of war is about to do but mm. the the groundwork is sort of being set and you know as these things that's why i'm talking about a precedent as this as this goes on and as the years drag on i'm really hopeful that we don't end up in that kind of a situation and you know so what if like there's just a million goddamn things in this game that yeah they're not technically gated by money because mm. you can achieve them, but what, what if in Shadow of War I have to play it for fifteen hundred hours before I can unlock a I don't know what a skin or a weapon or an orc or something? Like, I don't want that. That's not mm. the kind of single player experience that I want. I mean, and they I've, that's also ahead. partially up to the players in that, like, do they create a game? Do, like, if they create that game where you get to play for five hours, then after that it's pure grind and misery. That game's not going to do very well. It's not going to be reviewed well. Like, so they're going to, you know, they're going to push this threshold as far as they think they can, but there's also going to be a tipping point where these games start failing because they have made it too grindy. Um, and players are just not going to want to spend time or money on it. And they're going to have to do a stark reversal. Like right. that's the way this is going to have to go. So, so if you want us to give you your money for while we've already play, paid for the game and just give you infinite numbers of money, you have to be more covert about it. You have to do it like <laughs> Overwatch and Hearthstone does it right. and get us to gambling addiction and play to that. That's how you do it right. Yeah. No, I, I think I totally agree with, though, like the sentiment of if this is a standard not standard JRPG, but if this is a standard RPG that has your standard uh, side quests that are compelling and fun, but also somewhat repetitive that a lot of people enjoy, and it hasn't been artificially fluffed in order to incentivize play, uh, you know, paying for your time back, then I think, yeah, absolutely. Uh, paying for your time back is totally a great option. However, I would state that, you know, we used to have that in the form of cheats and they were totally freaking free. And that is now looking like it's not going to be here. Can, uh, can I maybe yeah. throw an, an, a different approach at this? No, um, you may leave. You may not and, say anything. No, please. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> darn. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say this and I can hear Mike groaning already, but I'm going to go back to Pokemon because every time I'm here, we go back to Pokemon because that's no, Pokemon's a good example. I yeah, I know. So I don't know how much you guys know about the shiny mechanics in Pokemon. Uh, but is this out. Pokemon go or like Pokemon? No, well, that's, there is Pokemon go, but I'm talking the main Pokemon games, Pokemon no. red, Pokemon blue, Pokemon silver, gold. All the way up to the current sun and moon. I don't remember shinies in the original. I literally know nothing about Pokemon. I'm going to give you. Well, yeah, just keep going. Very brief history. 
in Generation 2, they started coming out with these shiny Pokemon, and there was like a 1 in 2,000 some hundred chance that you could get them at Great. any random encounter, and it's nearly impossible. Yeah. And everyone wants the shiny because it's special, right? It's <laughs> yep. different colored. It glitters when it enters battle. And if you can get, if you can go into a Pokemon battle with a really badass shiny Pokemon, oh my God, you're a Pokemon god, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone cheated to get these because it was too much work. Yeah. So now Pokemon realized everyone wants this. Everyone is cheating to get this. And instead of doing a pay to get it, they introduced a set of mechanics that are incredibly time intensive and require knowledge, but can allow you to predictably and reliably, not easily, but reliably farm shinies. Sure. And they have continued to change these, tweak the mechanics, put in different ways, take out different ways. Mm. So instead of going pay to play, Nintendo went, you will pay with your time, but sure. if you pay with this time, you can get the thing that you want. Mm. I mean, I, I feel like that's, that's a vi every better. video. I feel like that's like so many video games are like that. That just, just sounds like how video games generally work. Like if you want, it, like I play a lot of Destiny, and that is generally how Destiny works. Like if you want this gun, that's like a super exotic gun, you have to go through these really insane uh, steps and meticulous steps in order to get this gun, and it takes for fucking ever. So uh, I've, I, but other than Destiny, I've seen that before, obviously. But yeah, that's right. Like, and I, yeah. I think this is a great one, just because like. Nintendo specifically saw that fans wanted this. Fans were cheating to get this. So let's make this a way to do that. So sure. again, like to me, it's not like when EA releases all these different packages for the Sims, people wanted vampires in the game. So EA said, fine, we'll make a vampire thing. You pay to get it. Like to me, I understand how this is a logical step and it's absolutely going to go bad for gamers and it's absolutely going to become horrible games with Grindfest that you pay to get through because we've already seen that in mobile games. That's mm. all most mobile games are. Sure. Yeah. So it's going to go bad. The pendulum is going to go way to the one side, but then it's they're going to realize these games aren't selling and then developers are going to feel bad because they're putting out shitty games and they don't mm. want to be associated with a shitty game. And eventually we're going to go through a bad time, but then it's going to come back to a happy medium and you probably are going to see more pay to get through the fluff your, options because that's what people don't always want to deal with fluff people are impatient your your prediction is a is an optimistic one and i like <laughs> i like its path and i like its logic i hope that's the future that we see I, and i hope it's not like we they the covert nature of like uh you know, uh, normalizing microtransactions, then normalizing microtransactions in single player games, and then normalizing, uh, you know, grindy games with incentives to pay more money. I hope that, like, steady normalization of spending more money after you've paid the entrance fee doesn't, like, just continue to increase and increase until generations later, no one remembers when you, you <laughs> bought a game and it was your game, right? It's I, I hope you're, yeah. It's all going to depend on players voicing not just their dissatisfaction, but not buying things because of it. Word. Oh, man. Word I've said that, that so many times. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> just amazing to yeah. me. Like the the solution to all of these problems and these issues and these these uh, presidents that people don't like that are that are being set or look like they're going to be set is so simple and so easy. It really, truly is. It's just as simple, just like you said, Amy, as 
spending your money in the places that you actually want to spend it. Like, mm. if you don't like what's going on in this game or what this developer's doing or what this publisher's pushing, then don't give them your goddamn money. Mm-hmm. And enough people doing that in large enough numbers will change things. It always yep. does. It's it's completely foolproof. You just have to let people do it. Our next story is far more recent than a two-week-old uh, microtransaction uh, story. Uh, it has to do with Discord, uh, hate speech, and uh, Nazism, and uh, re- recent events. So uh, we hadn't really spoken about this uh, since the events in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia, Virginia, and mm-hmm. uh, it was uh, obviously this all references to. Uh, the white nationalist alt-right uh, protests that ended uh, in blood uh, a couple of weeks ago, to put it not so lightly. Um, but uh, recently, uh, Discord, uh, the company, the, uh, the developers behind Discord, which is a very excellent uh, chat program uh, that I suggest anyone try out. They're still, I think they're still technically in like, uh, early access and like beta, uh, it's still being developed, uh, but it's a great system, uh, and, uh, definitely gets some good outlook from me, uh, from this recent story. Uh, the developers behind Discord recently have been, uh, making an effort to shut down white supremacist servers, uh, in wake of the Charlottesville rally, uh, of white supremacists. Uh, and it's an interesting story because uh, it obviously follows uh, all of the activism from white supremacists in the past week or so. And uh, these folks have been going into uh, these white supremacist chat logs and chat groups that are active on Discord and have been shutting them down. And, of course, uh, the ridiculous comments from the white supremacists are all ridiculous and uh far-fetched and also very racist and uh rude so it's funny and a little alarming to see but also just funny to watch them get shut down by a great company uh have you guys heard of this story do you have any thoughts on this in general um, I, I think it's great what Discord is doing. It's I I mean, yeah, you can drone on about free speech and and this and that and the other all you want and I understand that argument, but in the end it's a private company. So Yeah, a lot of people do don't realize you have free speech, but a company is not required to broadcast or promote or enable your free speech. Like yeah. that is actually what the free speech law says. So it makes oh, me yeah. laugh every time they're going I free know, speech. Yeah. I'm like no, you can stand in your house and scream all the hatred you want. Sure. That's your constitutional right. If you come into my house and scream all the hatred you want, I yeah, have the right house. to throw you out. That's, That's my right. right. If you go on to a privately owned website, server, chat program, whatever, and start screaming hate, they have the same right to boot you out. They're not required to broadcast your free speech for you. That's right. right. Reserve the right That's, to refuse service. That's, that's how yeah, it works. And- that's exactly where I was going with it is that it's just, it's, I just think it's ridiculous. Like, just like you said, Amy, it's the, the, 
the right that gives you to say whatever you want is essentially the exact same right that gives Discord to say, well, too bad, I don't want you to say it here. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's great what they're doing because we do need to take a stand against uh, against this ridiculous hatred and discrimination and just, just utter fucking disgusting bullshit. Mm. Uh, that is going on and the more the more companies the more people the more uh, the more people that get behind this movement the better because that's really I am of the opinion that's the only way to ever you know really make a difference and try to shut this shit down is you just you have to drown them out with more and more voices saying no this isn't right no this isn't right and and I think 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 that I think that and just like it's it's tough it's tough to say and just to ignore it it's only the only time you can ignore something like that is when it's simply vocal, right? Uh, ignoring something like actual activism and uh, physical presence uh, in a threatening manner. That's not something you ignore. That's something, like you said, to uh, rise up and drown them out. But uh, yeah, you know, both, both, I think, when it comes to uh, speaking uh, out against these things and in uh, trying to quiet them one way is to do is to ignore them and in a way i guess discord is doing that like it's allowing it's giving us all the ability to just fully ignore any white supremacy on discord which is nice i guess i think it's also just good that they're you know they're uh denying them a place to to talk to each other i think Mm -hmm. that's great like if you guys want to do it then go do it in the safety of your home somewhere Mm -hmm. where you know, Discord doesn't need to provide those services, if, especially if they don't agree with it. I mean, yeah, so, and they don't, and that's great. That's great. They shut them down and they took a stand. I honestly, I wish Twitter would do a better job of that. Mm, Twitter, mm, I mean, fair. we can really go down the rabbit hole there. Oh, but Twitter man. is yeah, that not is, doing a whole yeah. lot at all. Yeah, that's a fair so. statement. That's a fair point. Let me yeah. uh, read quickly this statement from Discord, and we, I think we could wrap it up there unless you guys have other things to say. But I feel like it's worth putting their statement on record. I, uh, I, yeah, go ahead. I do have one more thing to say, sure. but go Dis- ahead. Discord's mission is to bring people together around gaming. We're, absolute, we're about positivity and inclusivity, not hate, not violence. Today we've shut down the altright.com server and a number of accounts associated with the events in Charlottesville. We will continue to take action against white supremacy, Nazi ideology, and all forms of hate. Yeah, Good on and them. then I love it. Their their tweet was very simple. They took a picture of the, the statement that you said, and then their tweet was just love, not hate. Yeah. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Simple, to the point. I love it. Um, but all I was going to say is this whole, like... I absolutely hate the whole snowflake shit that gets thrown around, especially because of how um, hypocritical it is. Because it seems to me like all the people who throw the damn term snowflake around are the ones who are the real goddamn snowflakes. As soon as they get you know a slap on the wrist or get shut down or get trashed a little bit or whatever, they just flip the hell out. And... It doesn't seem to me that the people who are actually accused of being snowflakes react that way. Hmm. Like, and these these people did with these ridiculous quotes on this this news story, the altright.com response to this, the uh, calling calling Discord pathetic nerd cucks, and who uh, they've they've joined the war against free speech. The uh, quote: "The global corpo homo Judeo establishment is coming at us from all angles and lobbing everything they have our way." Boy, oh boy, they sure pick the wrong enemy. Like, what the what the fuck kind of children write this shit? Yeah, 
And it's I funny like, how quickly people like these people like just uh, totally lose any kind of credibility. Like there's no credibility to be had in a group like this, like n- none whatsoever. They just, they bring themselves down to the lowest level with any statement that they make. Yeah. And I didn't even read all of it. <laughs> it's, it's, insane. it's, it's insane. Ignorance, and I know ignorance is a word that's thrown around and thrown around very lightly now today. But like that is the most outrageous ignorance. Just like this, they're joining the fight against. It's like fuck you. They're a private company that just kicked you off because you're a bunch of twats. Like get out of here, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I love the part too at the end when they say history has shown us that regions of disenfranchised, intelligent, and motivated young men are very, very good at resisting tyranny. Mm. And I actually find the most interesting part of that statement to be that they specifically say just young men. Young men. Right. Yep. That's a very good but point. But you know, I'm all and they say very is intentional. There were also, women at that march on the wrong side. So women enable this. But Any human on that side was on the wrong punch. side. That's what's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Any human yeah. on their side was on the wrong side. It's 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 tough. You know, in today's day and age, it's I feel like I I don't love. This is getting a little political, a little sociological. So we'll, we'll I don't want to uh, bear down too much on my points here. But the uh, today's day and age, very often a lot of people are trying to. They want to create two extremes and they want to uh, disperse of any, yeah, they want to disperse of any centralist and they want to disperse of anyone who's, you know, of two minds. If you are, you need to be on one side or the other. If you're on the wrong side, then you're wrong. And if you're on neither side, or if you're on, if you're uh, confused about either side, then you're just as bad. And sometimes that's a little, pushy that's a little too much and it's you're you're barking up the wrong tree and you're pushing you're fighting the wrong people very often a lot of people today's day and age create enemies they don't need to here there were two sides in my opinion and that's all i will say on it and there was a wrong side and there was a right side i've long felt very central it's about a lot of things but this one you know i feel like there was a wrong side so i feel comfortable saying that and hearing you guys say the same thing that you know, there was a wrong side for women to be on over there. There was a wrong side for any kind of people to be on that day. So, well, and like the just the shit. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but there are some of the pictures of these neo-Nazi idiots wearing uh, like 82nd Airborne hats. Oh, that was so and funny. The 82nd this- Airborne, like, nope, that's not what a hero looks like. Well, and not only that, but like, motherfucker, do you even know what the 82nd Airborne is famous for? I mean, uh, like. Jesus Christ. It, like you and I mean I'm sure he just bought it at fucking Walmart for ten dollars. There's no way he actually served in the eighty second Airborne. But if you guys don't know, the eighty second Airborne was the that was the unit that was famous, you know, in Band of Brothers, uh, the book and the and the miniseries that jumped into uh you know occupied Europe and fought and died against the Nazi regime. So he is literally bearing the standard of a unit that got its fame from fighting against the very cause that he supports. Yeah. If so, you want to feel better about life, watch Arnold Schwarzenegger's message. Uh, oh, I saw that. Yeah. About, you know, that I grew good. up. He's like, I grew up, you know, in the shadow of commie, of Nazism, and I watched Broken Man, and he said, all of your heroes are losers, and they died in shame and humiliated Ooh. the rest of their life for what they did. Ooh. 
Damn. Yeah, uh, he must be totally true. I mean, like, you know, not only do you come home from losing a war and, you know, your homes are destroyed, your cities are destroyed, your country is in shambles, but your pride and and your honor and your sense of humanity is completely destroyed because you realize what kind of a cause you are actually fighting for. And you realize that that's what all your friends died for. And that's what your home was destroyed for, was for this absolutely sickening, dehumanizing, god-awful cause that is completely immoral and wrong. So, to hell with these people. Okay, so we're going to continue our discussion. Uh, Mike has left us because he's feeling a little ill, but he was uh, uh, nice enough to come on and talk about the news with us, not leave me uh, hanging on that front. Uh, but now we're going to talk. You want to leave him alone with me. I know. It would have been terrible. It would have just <laughs> been me and you sitting here awkwardly for a whole hour. But now it'll only be in half an hour of me and you sitting awkwardly and talking about games. So that's better. While we then discuss uh, some of the stuff you've been doing, you've, uh, as you told our listeners earlier, you've uh, been very active going to several conventions. Uh, did you want to talk to us at all about uh, any of your escapades as of late? Uh, other, like any folks that you've had interviews with, uh, any actual conventions you've gone to, and like what kind of people you've been. Uh, seeing and games you've been playing, all all the convention stuff that you can muster. Yeah, well, uh, I've it is con season, so I have done a blitz. I did E3, uh, and then because I'm stupid, I moved the next weekend. <laughs> and then uh, I hit up Anime Expo, and then I did San Diego Comic Con, and then I turned around and I just went to Anaheim for the Pokemon Worlds uh, yesterday. I'm not going back today. I'm a little too tired. And okay. I've got Stanley's Los Stanley's Los Angeles Comic Con or Stanley's Comic Con Los Angeles. I forget what it is. I hate the name. It's sure, Kamikaze. Sure. It's Kamikaze, guys. While uh, we while we talk about could you talk to us about the Pokemon convention? That sounds interesting. And I've never um, seen anything from one. So Pokemon Worlds is really cool. They do every year. They have a couple different divisions in each one, and they do a Pokemon tournament. They do a card game tournament, and then they do the actual um, main video games. And Mm. uh, it's a huge deal this year. There's all sorts of people flocking to Anaheim without a badge um, because they released a... um, They released Kangash Can, which mm. are in Pokemon Go, it's a Pokemon you can only get if you go to Australia. Oh, right, yeah. I remember that, like, Mr. Mime was one of those that you can only go mm-hmm. to certain countries and then Farfetch'd, and then, I guess, Kangaskhan is one of them. And Corsola is another one. Um, okay. And so um, they released that, and then they released, there's a Pokemon called Unknown, which they're they're a psychic type and they're like alphabet Pokemon. And right now there's 26 of them out, one for every single letter. Um, They're very hard to find in Pokemon Go. They're very rare spawns. uh, And you obviously want to collect all 26 because you have to catch them all. Of course, got to catch them all. 
If you catch so, all uh, 26, can you like rearrange your Pokemon in your inventory to make out little messages and then tweet um, the images of your I'm sure you messages? could. In the main games, you can very, very easily. Um, <laughs> in this one, organizing your inventory is a little bit more difficult, but you could oh, always, course. you could be tricksy. Um, sure. But yeah, it corresponds to Maybe some people so. could, maybe someone on Twitter will eventually uh, capture all the unknown in a very specific order until they have That'd a certain cool. message they could tweet out. That would be great. It would probably be more related to um, their CP, their combat power is usually right. how they're ordered. Um, sure. So they, they released a, an increased spawn of them for the letters that spell out worlds. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, sure. So, um, yeah, that's a, a lot of people been flocking there. It was crazy. There had to be a, several thousand people around the convention center uh, oh, wow. As of like 3 p.m. yesterday, mm. chasing Kangash Can. Uh, they also spawn more Tauros, but most of us have Tauros already. Um, <laughs> and then we got to, they had a Pokemon shop up, and there was always a line to get into the Pokemon shop to buy goodies. Um, and they just announced, of course, it'll be old now, they just announced the winner of the junior division of the Pokemon games. Um, but Pokemon Worlds is best known for so a couple years ago, there was a Korean player who came into the game with a uh, Pachirisu, which is, it's a white and teal electric squirrel. It looks like a, a Pikachu ripoff almost. Oh, perfect. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't evolve into anything. It was considered to be like completely useless. Like no one used it. But it was so cute well, that everyone liked it. It's so cute everyone likes it, but it's yeah. kind of useless. Well, this one guy came in, and it was dual battles. So it, you controlled two Pokemon, and the other team controlled two Pokemon. Mm. And um, he came in with this super, super tanky Pachirisu, and he came, he brought a little stuffed animal of it with him to taunt everyone with. Sure. And everyone's like, this is a worthless Pokemon. Well, he had a move called Follow Me, which means first of... First move of every round, Pachirisu would use Follow Me, and the other Pokemon had to attack Pachirisu. They ignored their owner's command and had to attack the Pachirisu. Okay. So he was able to put in Glass Cannon after Glass Cannon for his second Pokemon, and he swept the entire division. What's a Glass Cannon? See, now I thought Pokemon... See, you're, you're dealing with a very... Uh, yeah, with, I have deviated from the Pokemon games for years. But, but you're so a gamer. You've got to know what a Glass Cannon I, is. I Well, no. I don't know the terminology. This is a ubiquitous game term, Glass Cannon. Okay. Glass uh, Cannon is something with very that, that is very low defense, dies very easily, but does a whole lot of damage. Gotcha. Okay. I like the, I like the terminology then. I like it. It's very yeah, symbolic. It, it'll do great damage, but it's going to shatter really, yes. really easily. Cool. I like it. Um, so he came in with glass cannon after glass cannon, and the other Pokemon couldn't shake off this follow me to attack the Pachirisu, so his fragile Pokemon lived and lived and lived and just kept dealing massive damage. Mm. Uh, and it was such a big deal that after the Worlds tournament, they actually released an event Pachirisu based off of this guy's build mm. in the official games themselves. Mm. Mm. Okay. So, so now uh, this guy single-handedly changed the Pokemon meta. Yeah, for, he changed them. I mean, this is this is this was a, a a strategy that had never been seen before, and no one was prepared to deal with it. This is actually an incredible story. Someone should someone should report on this story. Do a, do a whole profile on this guy. It's it's wow. a couple years old now, so it's a little. Oh. Well, I thought I thought this was like this weekend. I didn't even no, know. No, no, no. Like, that's why I said like this is when Worlds made the biggest news when that gotcha. happened. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and like to the point where on the uh, in the message boards in Japan, uh, one of the developers was like, "Someone trade me a Pachirisu. I need to get a Pachirisu." Sure, sure. 
So what this is uh people this guy was playing one of the Pokemon games. Like was he playing like the the most recent Pokemon game? Are those the ones that are being shown off or are there people ever like playing the older Pokemon games, maybe doing like speed runs? I know Pokemon speed runs are like pretty big in the speed running community. Yeah, so, so um so the Pokemon Worlds is specifically focuses on the newest games. Um, I think if they happen really, really close to the newest release, so like if they happened right when Sun and Moon came out, they might not use Sun and Moon. They might use the older generation just because people might not have had enough time to build them oh, up. Sure. These yeah. are very specific structured tournaments. This mm. is like this is like the um, the League of Legends competition of the Pokemon world, mm-hmm. and you can enter as with the main Pokemon games, with the Pokemon card game, or with the Pokemon Tekken, which is like a an action battle game. Right, like a Tekken Pokemon game, yeah. Right. This uh, that game's gotten very popular from what I've heard. Like it looked it like it, it looked like the it Switch was release the jerk. Yeah. Oh, right. I remember that. Oh, I'll be. So I'll definitely play some that. Switch. That. Oh, really? Why? Because I want actual Pokemon on the Switch. Oh well, of course. Well, they did announce a real Pokemon on the Switch, so you're, yeah, we're, we're getting. Yeah, but that. we don't have any news yet, so I still have to wait through. I mean, I'm excited for Ultima, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, but sure, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. That's fine. So, any uh, other? What was the second most recent convention you've gone to before we move uh, on from San Diego Comic Con? Uh, oh, sure. And that one was really cool. Like, it's it's a month out now, and I still haven't finished writing everything because I did so much while I was there. It was crazy. Oh, wow. I got to interview uh, Hearthstone before Knights of the Frozen Stone Throne came out, and got to talk about, um, you know, with uh, oh goodness me, I've completely blanked on his name. Uh, one of the lead developers about it's Ben Brode, maybe. Um, Probably not Ben Brode. <laughs> it's not the. It's the um, here Jason Chase. Okay. Yeah. Got to chat with him for a good bit about uh, Hearthstone and like got information about what's coming out and got to talk about the um, the whole interview is up on. Yeah, yeah, I uh, saw your piece on, the, on um, the, but, you know, are you a about, are you a Hearthstone fan? Uh, okay. I've played Hearthstone a little. I am not. As hardcore as I should be. <laughs> oh man, we gotta get you on the Hearthstone. I, my my goal now on Gaming Trend, now that I've uh, have more of a feature and a review uh, mm-hmm. bent and time that I can spend doing those things, my goal is now to get everyone addicted to Hearthstone and then get them to come on my Hearthstone podcast and talk about Hearthstone and our terrible addiction together. So that's so you're next on my list. I got Michael well, already. He's and he's already. I got hooked. to go to I got to go to not a fireside gathering, but a frostside gathering while I was Ooh, there. Oh, that's cute. They did that for Frozen Throne. I see. Very they good. did. It was really yeah. fun. They had a. They gave you a whole series of clues um, that you had to translate into ruins, and then you had to. There was a giant. It looked like it was. It was a giant glacier that spewed steam like a volcano. Very with cool. ruins and you had to pick the path up the mountain by using by picking the correct ruins based on the puzzle they gave you and that would defeat the lich king and he would spin and twirl and steam would follow out and then you oh, got man. free drinks. That's great. This sounds like one of those like escape room uh, <laughs> things. That sounds really cool. It was really fun. Um, and then since we're still talking about Blizzard, I got to talk uh Got a private interview with uh, four of the developers on um, Overwatch for Doomfist. Right. So that was such a treat. We had this awesome little round table where we were just talking, and they were, it was immediately after their Doomfist panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was, 
Renald's first panel and he was just like everyone was so amped up and so happy and oh my god it was a full room and everyone got a foam doom fist and there were doom fists everywhere yeah <laughs> yeah wow such happy eager nerds it was so great to just see them ta- sitting around and talking about the fighting games they played growing up and it was a yeah. scream it was really really fun that uh, so that excellent. was a huge treat that's very cool that's cool to hear i haven't uh had the pleasure of interviewing blizzard uh devs yet so that must have been very exciting oh yeah it was it was really i mean we didn't have that much time um mm. but it was you know they're Every one of them just love what they do so much, and you can feel it in the way they talk about everything. So that was a treat. That was definitely a treat. That's very cool. Did you get to play any games while you were at uh, San Diego Comic-Con? I know games aren't always uh, – they aren't the focal point of the Comic-Con uh, conventions, but were there, yeah. were there any demos at, while you were there? So I got to play the first playable demo of Life is Strange Before the Storm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was really fun. I got to play like a full, uh, I think it was like a 20 minute thing. And I made it a little longer because I'm a crazy person. I have to check every single thing. And Mm -hmm. sure. uh, So that was fun. But uh, I'd actually, it was the same demo that I'd seen hands off at E3. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they, it was an extended version and I got to pick everything. Um, Sure. And then there was also a video of um, uh, Chloe and David uh, that had been unreleased. So I got to see that. And then it was like embargoed for, quite a while so it was like i can't talk about this to anyone right right yeah (laughs) that's the only downside to getting these things early yeah it's always Um, interesting when you get previews that are like embargoed like you can't even talk about like the fact that you saw a game those are always the most weird to me i don't understand that happened to me with um with far cry 5 if you saw my interview with i remember yeah I had it was like a ten day embargo. Yeah, and you just you I, could you spent days just not being able to talk about like yeah, the actual I'm game you saw. Like, yeah, they're like, let's you want to go interview Ubisoft? This will probably be a good way to assassinate some time. Yeah, we we were letting the Assassin's Creed puns yeah, run in that one. I remember we were all sure that Assassin's Creed was going to be revealed. Well, Assassin's <laughs> Creed was way overdue that reveal. I mean, everything was. was just it was comical how much we knew about that game. It was, by it the time it was revealed secret on the internet yeah yeah so for i sure. went in like all smug like oh yeah let's talk about assassin's creed and they flip up far cry 5 and i'm like oh crackers. yeah <laughs> well far cry 5 wasn't the, that much of a better secret but either because we got a couple of leaks from them although a couple of them were a little overzealous but yeah we definitely expected assassin's yeah. creed stories from you once you got back from there so, yeah. and i did not have them you did not you failed us so unfortunately um, uh, but, but the yeah. other, so yeah, that was really the only game I got to like actually play while I was there. Um, but I did get to sit down and chat with, um, the guys about world war two Nazi zombies. Oh, uh, right. Call of Duty. So that call was cool. Zombies, yeah. Again, they were like, Oh, do you want to talk to them? And I'm like, it's going to be destiny. Like, okay, let's talk about destiny. I walk in cause they didn't tell us what it was beforehand. And they're like, let's talk about zombies. I'm like, wait, what? Right. Not quite ready to <laughs> talk about destiny two at the time, man. Okay. Oh, wait, yeah. Okay. Why not? Sure. Zombie. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Zombies. They're still dead. They're still dead. Are they still trying to kill us? Still trying to kill us. All right. Sounds good. I know. Engineered though, so that was cool, and I I earned points because uh, I I was part of a horror movie club in college, and I'd watched all the old school zombie movies. Oh sure. And these guys were so excited. They're like, "Oh, we've got all these Easter eggs to all of these old things. You'll love it so much." Oh, there you go. They love them Easter eggs. If they they can pack them with those Easter eggs, they'll ha- they're happy, and we're all happy oh, yeah. too, I guess. <laughs> 
Okay, um, so that's cool. That sounds like an exciting uh, couple of like this. Well, it sounds like a few months that you've been doing this, but it's it's only been in the span of several weeks from the yeah, way you're describing. Yeah, it's been really busy. Um, wow. But it's good. Like it's con season. That's what happens. Yes, of course. It's always how it happens. Like you you get you get E3, and then it's like oh maybe we'll take a break, and then twenty different cons move mm-hmm. on from there. Always good. Well, uh, my my big heartbreak was at Anime Expo. I got an invite, and they're like, "Hey, do you want to come see the um, the first showing of Castlevania?" Mm, right. And I'm like, "Oh, yes, I do." And they had sent the invite without a date, and it was actually for the next day when I was going to be out of town. <laughs> oh, jeez! <laughs> so wow. I didn't get to see the Castlevania tr- the yep, first yep. evening of you Castlevania. Got it. You gotta have to pick your uh, pick and choose which ones you want to see, and you're, yeah. you're so, there's always a disappointment, especially if you're as busy as you. So yeah, that's unfortunate. Right. We eventually saw Castlevania. It's very good. Oh yeah, uh, I would suggest it to anyone. Yeah, I still liked Vampire Hunter D more, but uh, I'll take Castlevania. Sure. <laughs> I had uh, gone on a vampire run after that. I used to hate vampires because of the whole trend that was going on. But I, oh yeah, after vampires I watched, sparkle. yeah. But after I saw, after I saw, watched that uh, series. It's very short. I kind of like wanted more, so I picked up Stephen King's uh, Salem's Lot, and that's like a sweet vampire mm-hmm. story. And uh, so I got my kicks from there. But hopefully, they come out with a follow-up season or series oh, or whatever I'm, they want. I'm call sure it, they will with the yeah. with the excitement they got out of that. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, check out Vampire Hunter D, especially Bloodlust. It's weird, but it's good. Oh, word. All right, so quickly, uh, why don't we just talk about uh, games we've played, uh, as long as I have you for a little longer, Kay. Uh, uh, so I've been so busy in such catch-up mode that really the only thing I've done is Pokemon Go, and just like in the <laughs> when I have a little bit of spare time, just farm for shinies in Pokemon X. <laughs> That's sure. been my life for the past like three weeks because I just I that sounds like a life well lived playing Pokemon on every uh, every device you can muster. Pretty much, yeah. That's totally fine. I've recently uh, I'll just talk quickly about uh, Sonic Mania. Uh, we uh, we had a little discussion uh, piece that we are posting on the site. Uh, I think it might already be up or it'll at least be up by the time uh, this goes up. Sure. Uh, and uh, a couple of us uh, here at Gaming Trend are playing Sonic Mania. I am not a Sonic fan. I did not like the Sonic games growing up. I was a Mario fan. Uh, Kay, I don't know if you were a Nintendo or Sega child or if you were uh, a PC Pokemon. person. What do you think? Well, there you go. So that's good <laughs> to hear. I am a fellow Nintendo fan. Uh, and so Mario was my jam when it came to 2D platformers. And I'm a big fan to this day of 2D platformers. They're kind of my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And uh, having said that, I just I despised the Sonic games. Like having grown up playing the Sonic games uh, secondhand with uh, my cousin. Like he had the Sega, I had the Nintendo. And then going back to them th- via emulations and uh, ports like the Xbox ports for Sonic 1 and I think 2 was on there. Uh, just different consoles. I was like, this, this is bad. You're, you're just, you're, Sonic controls terribly. Although you're like going fast and then very quickly they just throw enemies in front of you and it's just like, uh, ingenu, 
disingenuous and they're like they say oh yeah go fast see look how fast and they throw shit in your way and it's just <laughs> not good design in my opinion and i didn't like it at all so i was a big hater of sonic this game i hated immediately i was very unhappy with this game however i will uh defend it a little bit so i i still don't love how sonic controls and this game whoever loves sonic and loves the original sonics they will love this game absolutely because mm-hmm. it plays exactly like those games and uh the reasons are obvious it's the creators are uh from the some of the original sonic developers but more importantly a lot of uh dedicated fans quote unquote these developers who have uh been making ports to different consoles and been making mods and are very very popular in the community and uh they are excellent level designers and when i first started playing this game and got through the first three zones or so i felt like it was more of a uh, it was a bunch of great level designers trying to make the best of just a bad system like that that sonic didn't control well that like the the design philosophy behind sonic levels was bad but later i i would you know tweet my frustrations talk about it on the internet and everyone just tell me get good learn the levels and uh me i'm like you know what fine i'll I'll learn a level i'll do it it'll be fine and i sure enough after about a f- couple of hours of really grinding through a certain level and choosing a path to follow because each of these levels are huge and there's tons of different paths that you can choose and uh find uh mm-hmm. deciding on one to memorize through i got through it i learned all of where all the hazards were and when you nail a sonic run and have memorized exactly where every hazard and enemy is, and you get through that entire run and have collected all the rings you can find and haven't gotten hit once, that is a pretty sublime feeling. So I will say to anyone who is a Sonic naysayer or someone who hasn't played Sonic before, uh, I don't know if this is the one for you, but if you're willing to give in to the whole Sonic design then uh there's something to beating a sonic level and uh learning its ins and outs uh it's pretty cool it's a different kind of enjoyable grind it is definitely a grind it is a whole it is it's definitely the grind itself not so enjoyable but the reward of of seeing it uh seeing yourself prevail that's pretty sweet so uh i don't know what to uh compare that to someone said it's like the dark souls of uh sonic games and i don't think that's true i think that's an inaccurate analysis but i've heard that multiple times now so i guess well, you know uh i've said before i work for deviantart and we uh got an incredibly popular tweet when they announced the game and announced the details and our social media tweeted um you know sonic ocs are officially canon what a day and uh, the Twitter exploded. They're like, oh, my God, DeviantArt knows about the OCs. I'm like, of course we know about the OCs. I, I, don't, I don't even know about the OCs. I don't know anything about Sonic. I don't know about OCs, what have there you. There is a yeah. very active, uh, very passionate Sonic fan community that makes original characters or own characters. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you've got Mindy the Hedgehog, and you've got, you know, um, Trouble the Enchilada. And Enchilada, Enchida. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm hungry. Can you try? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are these people and they have, you know, they've been around, they have these characters that have been around for you know, 20, 25 years that the internet knows and loves. And now they're able to create that character in the game and play as their character in the game. Okay. Right. So that caused a lot of excitement among the Sonic fan community. Well, I thought that the only characters were, um, 
Sonic, Knuckles, and Tails. Like that's the only ones I can see that I can play as. Maybe they've you unlock whole, them or something. Yeah, they've got a whole thing in where there's like classic Sonic, or is this a different Sonic release? Uh, this is Sonic Mania, so uh, it might be I a different know. one. I all Sonic is not the same to me. Uh, the, I'd be surprised. That. This is like I feel like this is the Sonic release. Like this is the huge Sonic release everyone's been waiting on since the announcement. Like it was a huge yeah, deal. Let me double check. I'm Googling right now. Sure. Why not? Uh, this is, uh, I'm pretty sure from what I can tell so far, there's, there's three playable characters and they are all original Sonics. I will yeah, say I'm, also, while you're looking that up, I will say, uh, I'm in the, I'm oh, in the middle of a, yeah. Forces. My bad. Sonic forces. Oh, Sonic forces. Creature right. Right, game. right, right, right. I just assumed it was the same because who's going to put out two Sonic games so close together. <laughs> Right. No, the Sonic Forces game is the next 3D Sonic game, which I don't know why they keep trying. Uh, Sonic in 3D just doesn't work as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but go for it. This game, there's there's some redeeming qualities uh, if you're not a Sonic fan. However, uh, I'll say on the last note, two things. One, I'm uh, stuck on the water level right now, and fuck water levels in all video games, and especially in Sonic games. They're bad. Get rid of them. And two... Uh, we've recently heard news item number five for this episode. Sonic uh, Super Meat Boy is coming to the Switch, and that is, oh. by and large, a far superior platformer as far as I'm concerned. One of the greatest. So if you want a platformer, 2D platformer, wait for Super Meat Boy, uh, unless you're a Super Sonic fan, which you'll need need my permission to go get it, obviously. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I we don't need your permission to do everything? I... I'll get back to you on that. But before that, we'll wrap up this week. Thank you so much, Kay, for joining us. Uh, we are, and thank you, listeners, for joining us this week again. Uh, we are both editors of uh, Gaming Trend. I am uh, a humble editor of reviews and features and what have you, uh, writing up stuff like that. And Kay is our lead editor at Gaming Trend. Uh, you can find both of our content at the website gamingtrend.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Joey Dagabon where I tweet about things like video games and snacks and all fun things. And then, uh, Kay, I assume you're on Twitter. I see you tweeting at, at me all the time. So, Oh, yeah. yes. I am at Kay Damphyr, K-A-Y-D-A-M-P-H-Y-R. It's a Vampire Hunter D thing. Gotcha. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Thank you for ha- being on. I appreciate it. Uh, come on anytime, please. And, uh... For all of you at home, again, GamingTrend.com has all of our content. You can also subscribe to us on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts and wherever finer podcasts are found. Please join us next week. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank you, Kay. Thanks, guys. Bye.